0: We started last week um, a series entitled The Good Fight with the suggestion that you go on YouVersion and download the devotional Armor of God by Patricia Shira. And I know many of you did, and that makes me very happy and started the plan. And this week, we'd like to get you to go back to version. And um, <clears throat> if you are a man, we invite you to take the study, The Fight, devotional for men. And if you're a woman, we have a, another study, it's called The Warrior Study. Now, if you don't have Uversion, you can go to UVersion.com and create an account and then go to Plans. And when you go to Plans, you'll see there, it'll come up, Fight Devotional for Men and Warrior Story for Women. And you can start the plan. And every day, you can log in and track your plan and read it. You can each do this together in community with other friends. So it's a great way to uh, be in the Word. Uh, Jesus <clears throat> was talking to some people and In John chapter 8 and verse 31, he said these words. He said to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. We are a church that's all about discipleship, about making disciples. And Jesus said that those who hold on to his teachings really are his disciples. They put them into practice, if you will. They become doers of the word. Then Jesus said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now that's a true principle that the truth has the power to release us, to liberate us, to free us. God wants to see us free. I wanna see you free. I wanna see whatever has been holding you the grip of that being released, and you experiencing true freedom in Christ. Then perhaps one of the funniest verses in all the Bible (laughs) comes up next. They answered and said, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves of anyone. Now you say, why is that so funny, Pastor? Well, did you ever read the Old Testament about being slaves to anyone? Like, How about 400 years down in Egypt? How about the Chaldeans, the Babylonians? How about the Persians? How about the Romans? How about that Roman soldier over there, right, who's standing in your city? You've never been a slave to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And then Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Now, wherever Jesus says, I tell you the truth, or verily, verily, Truly, truly, it's to be underscored, okay? This is something to to, uh, take note of. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. If someone showed up at your house and they rang the doorbell and they had a ski mask on, and a sawed-off shotgun and black outfit, you probably wouldn't let them in, would you? You probably would keep that person or persons outside of your house. But if the window of your house was open, the door was open, and someone suddenly invaded your house, and there was a presence there in that house, right? Right? You might turn into some combination of Jason Bourne, Rambo, and Jackie Chan. Because you're going to defend the people inside your house, because your house is under attack. The enemy loves to slip into our lives, he loves to slip into our houses, right? And so, what Paul's doing in Ephesians chapter 6 is. He's telling us how to fight the good fight. This is what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and following. Finally then, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, the strategies. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against our husband, or our wife, or our mother-in-law, or the boss who drives you crazy. Our battle is not against humans, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. If you're paying attention, that's the second time He said that for emphasis. So the title of this sermon is, You can't win the battle unless you put on the armor and choose to continually put on the armor of God. And the point of this sermon is, you can't win the battle unless you put on the armor and choose to continually put on the armor of God. You see, brothers and sisters, you are in a battle. Some of you acknowledge that you're in a battle, but all of you are in a huge battle and we need the armor of God in order to be equipped, prepared. Then he begins to delineate what those armaments are in verses 14 and following. He says, Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Point number one. We put on the belt of truth to protect us from the enemy's deception. The enemy is a liar, he is a deceiver. If you trace this back to the very beginning, before the foundation of the world, God made archangels. He made Gabriel, Michael, Lucifer. He organized them into ranks, orders, hierarchies. Lucifer was a beautiful angel made to worship God, but he wanted to be worshiped. So his problem was pride, And he rebelled against God, and he took with him one-third of the angels. And the first mention we have of the enemy is in the garden. The enemy went after Eve, and the enemy will go after you. The serpent attacked the authority of God's word with lies. He questioned God's words with falsehood. He said to the woman, did God really say, you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? Now, he didn't deny that God had spoken, but he planted seeds of doubt. In the garden, God had put the man and woman, and he had planted good seed. And the good seed would produce good plants and good trees. But the enemy also was sowing seed, weed, seeds of doubt. See, in the garden, God planted good seeds, but the enemy planted seeds of doubt. And so the enemy still... Plants those doubts in our mind. The Bible was written so long ago. It may have been relevant to your grandparents, but so much has changed since then. It's become so dated and irrelevant. College professors believe we must deconstruct the Bible, right? The Bible is myth and contradictions. Just like his tactic with Eve, the enemy loves to sow doubt into our minds. The enemy's voice is Eve, if God really loved you, he would allow you to do anything you want to do. And Eve began to question God, wondering if there wasn't something good outside of God's will for her. Yes, God has given us a garden, but what about that forbidden fruit? Perhaps the forbidden fruit will give us satisfaction or fulfillment. Note this, The moment we question the goodness of God, it is easier to disobey the will of God. Once Eve started to have her mind filled with doubts, the enemy attacked her with lies. If you eat this forbidden fruit, you won't die, he said. Your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So do whatever you want to do, Eve. Because whatever you do will make you happy. And Eve partook of the fruit and gave to her husband. This is called the fall. You may not realize it or not, but the battle is on. And the evil one will attack your mind with deception. He'll attack your heart with accusation. This is, I believe, the scheme of the enemy. He will first of all try to cut you off from God, And cut you off from others and put you in isolation. So the first scheme of the enemy is to isolate you, to cut you off. And then he'll fill a person with so much hate and violence, they'll want to cut somebody else. And what we saw happen this week is evidence of the enemy's work in Parkland High School. There was a student estranged, expelled, 19 years old, angry, cut off, isolated, coming back to that school with weapons, pulling the alarm, creating chaos. And that's what the enemy will do. He'll create chaos and destruction. The evil one will attack your marriage. The evil one will attack your children. The evil one will attack your finances. The evil one will attack your health. And when the evil one attacks you, you need to be fierce and a fighter. You need to be strong in the Lord and put on the armor of God. You just say, devil, not today, not in my house. You have no place here. You need to fight back in the name of Jesus. The enemy has no place in this house. The enemy has no authority over my house, you need to bind the strong man and command him to leave. You are not welcome here. You must leave. You need to take authority. Jesus gave us authority. So I'm saying to you, my brothers and sisters, that you are in a battle, but you must put on the armor of God. We must put on the armor of God to protect us from deception. Deception. Now, the first piece of armor that Paul tells us to put on is to put on a belt of truth. Now, from our perspective, it doesn't seem to make much sense, does it, to put on a belt. I'm going off to battle. I'm going off to war. I'm going to go into a fight. I'm going to put on my belt. (laughs) You put on your belt, right, to keep your pants up, right? (laughs) The last thing you think about, you know, going to a fight is I need my belt. But you need a belt, not just any belt, you need the belt of truth. The belt is related to truth because the belt holds the whole thing together, you see. What tears us apart is lies. What tears a family apart is lies. What tears an organization apart is lies. What tears a nation apart is lies. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We live in a time when people have their own truth. We say that may be true for you, but that's not truth to me. That's not my truth. We don't really know what truth is. Truth is how you see things, right? Truth is what works for you. Truth is everyone's opinion. We're living in a time of great relativism, Is there such a thing as absolute truth, or is all truth relative? Jesus, about 2,000 years ago, was talking to a Roman governor, his name is Pilate, and he said to Jesus, what is truth? Now, many of us have asked the same question, what is truth? And we know intuitively that truth must be related to God that someone holds the key to truth. So there's truth that is absolute, and then there's truth that is relative. If I were to say to you a truth claim that the Philadelphia Eagles are the greatest team ever, some of you would agree with that statement. Say, Pastor R, now you're speaking truth. You wear Eagles shirts, right? You love the Eagles. You went to the Eagles celebration, the hundreds of thousands that poured into the streets to celebrate the city of brotherly love. But some of you would disagree with the statement, right? You'd say, no, 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 no. Not the Eagles. It's the... <laughs> you see, we all have an opinion about who perhaps is the greatest football team of all time. You see, when it's matters of opinion, it's relative, right? It's the perspective of the person. But if I said Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Him, that is an absolute truth that is universally true. You see, you may believe it or not believe it but it is true because it is from the Scriptures. You see, what you have to discern is what's a relative truth based on someone's opinion and what has God said about the matter, because truth corresponds to reality from God's perspective. I need an objective truth beyond myself to see if I'm being taken for a ride. I was lied to so much growing up. I began searching for the truth. And I heard this, that I'll know the truth and the truth is going to set me free. And Jesus Christ has set me free. I have found the truth and the truth is in him. The truth is in his word. And we need people committed to the truth, people willing to stand up for the truth. Now, the truth may not make you politically correct. The truth may, may, may not make you the most popular person, right? University student, you have to, at times, because of the truth, stand alone. High school student, you may not always have the favor of your friends, but here's what I know. If you will walk in the truth, you will earn the respect of your friends. My son, Chris, he walked this out in his high school life and he was, took a lot of abuse from people. But one of his high school friends said, if I ever became a believer, I would become like one like you, one who walks in the truth. It was his sweetest moment in high school. We've been talking about how there are people around that have a hard time speaking the truth, you know? Just making stuff up, telling lies. There are lying spirits. Can a person have a lying spirit? Yes. They can have a spirit of manipulation, just spinning the truth, avoiding an honest answer, dodging a straight answer. The enemy puts forth a world of falsehood. It is only a life of truth integrity to which God calls us to. So we're invited to put on a belt, to live with honesty and integrity, to be brutally honest with God and others and ourselves. I need to be honest about where I am. I need to be honest about what I struggle with. I need to be honest with what my questions are. I need to be honest about my mistakes. The darkness, the evil powers, they feed off of lies and deceit and secrets. But God speaks the truth, and the truth sets us free. So brothers and sisters, put on the belt of truth. But we don't stop there. If we're going off to battle, we're going into war, we're going in a fight, we must put on the full armor of God. I put on my belt of truth, but what else do I need to wear? (laughs) You see, the belt will only get you so far. I need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Secondly, point number two, we put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect us from the accusations of the enemy. No, no soldier will go off to battle with his chest unprotected. Today we have a body armor. Soldiers wear body armor and it has plates. Uh, the plates that a soldier wear now can protect them from an AK-47 gunshot. It weighs about 30 to 35 pounds or a police officer or SWAT team will wear a bulletproof vest. The breastplate was made of metal. It protected the vital organs, the hearts, the lungs. It helps you to stand against the evil powers. See, righteousness is a very important New Testament word. To be righteous is to be on good terms with God, to be reconciled to God, to have the standards of God. Now, we all know we have sin. We all know we're not perfect. We all know we have flaws. And that's exactly where the enemy attacks. The enemy attacks us, on the on, attacks our hearts with accusations. He lures us into sin, making sin seem so desirable. And then once we've sinned, he accuses us. You call yourself a Christian? There's no hope for you. There's no forgiveness for that sin. You're not good enough. Writing to the Roman believers in Romans chapter 3, Paul wrote these words. You know, all my roads actually take me back to Romans. Romans chapter 3 says these words. Verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by their observing the law, by their keeping the law, by their being a lawful person. No one's going to be declared righteous by them being good enough, having done enough good things, Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sins. When you look at the high standards of God, we all see that we've all fallen short. I mean, there's some athletes in this room, and if we all were to stand up, and I said, let's jump and hit the ceiling, none of us could attain to that standard. Right? I've seen some performances in the Olympics, but I haven't seen a flawless one yet. I haven't seen one athlete who was accorded a perfect score, but even if they were accorded a perfect score, I bet you that in their life there's an area of imperfection. There was a lawyer that appeared to Jesus and said, the teacher, what's the greatest of all the commands? And Jesus looked at him and said, what does your law say? What's the law say? I mean, you've studied the law your whole life, what does the law say? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, do this and you will live. But the man tried to justify himself, you see. The man tried to justify himself. And so he said, who is my neighbor? What he should have said is, the law has spoken and I have fallen short. I need the mercy of God. But now it says in verse 21... A righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The law was written as a tutor to show us that we need a Savior. The prophets testified the Savior would come. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who will believe. I've looked over the entire course of humanity From the greatest of us to the least of us, the richest to the poorest, and there is no difference, really, with mankind. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. Paul writes... That there is redemption. There is a Savior. Jesus Christ carried a cross through the streets of Jerusalem. Jesus Christ hung on that cross for six long hours. Jesus Christ bled his precious blood for your sin. Jesus Christ became the substitute for sinful mankind that deserved to be there. And if you will believe that you are a sinner, that Christ has become your substitute, that Jesus is the Savior, if you will put your trust in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Righteousness is something that God pronounces over you. Your righteous standing with God has nothing to do with your behavior. It's not something you can do to earn this righteousness. You see, if the strength of my armor is my behavior, my armor is not very strong. Why? Because I don't always do what's right. The breastplate of righteousness is a declaration that God makes over you. It's something that comes from God. It's like this, imagine. And it's the language really of a courtroom. There is a courtroom and you're sitting at the desk and you have an advocate. Your advocate's name is Jesus. But on the other side, you have this prosecuting attorney, right? the accuser. And the accuser, the judge says, okay, present the charges. And the accuser starts rattling off all these charges against you. Starts naming your sin one after another. The things you said, the things you did. And you have really nothing to say. And the judge then turns to your advocate, to Jesus, and says, look at these hands, these wounds. These wounds were sufficient payment for this person's sin, your sin. And the judge says, do you believe that Jesus took your place upon the cross? And you say, yes, and God declares over you righteousness. To be justified is to be declared righteous by God, not on the basis of what I have done, but on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done for you. He shows us his wounds. He took our place. Based on what Jesus did, I declare you justified. Just as if you never sinned, I declare you righteous." Brothers and sisters, this is some good news. We have been declared righteous the very same way that Jesus is seen by his Father. The Father sees us. He sees us as righteous in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God knows what we have done last week, last summer, and God says, you're not guilty anymore. You have been declared righteous. As long as your spirituality depends on what you have done, it will be unstable. Why? Because some days we have good days, and some days we have bad days. It's like God loves me, God loves me not, right? I pray, God loves me, I forget to pray, God loves me not. I read three passages of scriptures, God loves me, I forget to read, God loves me not. I volunteer, God loves me, I forget to volunteer, God loves me not. But what if your righteousness had nothing to do with you, had everything to do with what Jesus did? When the enemy attacks you, you put on the breastplate of righteousness, which protects your heart against accusations. It is God who justifies me. It is God who makes me right. It's God who makes me righteous. See, if I'm going to push back against the evil powers, I'm going to put on the belt of truth, and I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Enemy is definitely going to bring the attack. When you're feeling depressed, discouraged, disheartened, I'm going to take out the sword of the Spirit. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed? Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise Him, my Savior, my God. When your family is under attack, Isaiah 54, 17, taking out the sword, no weapon fashioned against me will prosper. You will silence every tongue that accuses you. Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When you feel exhausted, like you can't take another step, Galatians 6:9. I'm taking out my sword. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. When the diagnosis is not good, 1 Peter 5:10. after you've suffered for a little while, the Lord himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. When you don't know what you're going to do, there's an enemy attack. It attacks our uncertainty, anxiety. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. When you feel ashamed for what you did, you're walking in shame. Romans 8, 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When your marriage is under attack, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Remember the verses we got married? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Now these three, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love not today, devil. You want to rob me of what God has blessed me with? The devil is a liar, but I'll know the truth, and the truth is going to set me free. So I'm going to put on the belt of truth, and I'm going to wear that breastplate of righteousness. So when the enemy attacks my heart, I've got a breastplate of righteousness to protect my heart, and I've got the belt of truth on that holds it all together. I'm just wondering if anybody wants to get free. I'm just wondering if anybody wants to get free who's under attack, who wants some freedom, because Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. Come on, team. Let's go back. We're going to pray. Father, here we are in the midst of a battle. Every inch of this universe is claimed by you, Lord, and counterclaimed by the enemy, including the space of our minds and our hearts. Some of us have carried stuff for a long, long time, and the enemy has used that against us, a voice of accusation. We've heard his voice, and perhaps we've heard his voice so often we haven't heard your voice speak over us I declare you righteous based on your faith in Jesus Christ. I acquit you of all the guilt, all the shame, all the regret you carry. I want you to walk this journey in truth. I want you to put all falsehood and deception and lies. I want you to develop discernment to be able to discern what's right and what's wrong. I want you to be free. So, Spirit, would you now bring to our mind the area where we are not free, where we're held in bondage, where the enemy attacks us from? Would you show that to us, that we could confess that and ask Jesus for you to set your people free? We want to be free. Jesus set us free. By the work of your Spirit, By the truth of your word, we want to be free. We want to see each other find freedom. We want to fight for freedom for each other. So, Father, in this battle, would you enable us to put on the full armor of God with which we can silence the enemy? We pray in Jesus' name.